Hey friends and listeners, are you struggling to figure out your macros? If you are, you are not alone. One of the most common questions I get from clients is, Hey Coach B, how do I calculate my macros? I've helped thousands of people achieve their health and fitness goals over the years, and I realize there's another way I can help, and that's by teaching you how to accurately calculate your macros. I've created Master Your Macros as a self-paced online course where you will learn how to accurately calculate your macros to achieve your goals without giving up any of your favorite foods. Here's what you're going to learn from Master Your Macros. You're going to get the tools you need for success. You're going to learn how to set your goals and achieve them. You're going to learn all about macros and micronutrient basics. You're going to learn how to correctly calculate and adjust your macros and so much more. Whether you're trying to lose, gain, or maintain your weight, this course is for you. You'll learn how to apply this information for the rest of your life so no matter what your goals are, you can successfully achieve them. You don't need to have any previous knowledge about nutrition or macros because I've got you covered. You're going to learn everything you need from the basics to how to tweak your nutrition to meet your different goals. Master Your Macros opens April 27th and you can click the link in the show notes to get more information. Hello everyone and welcome to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B. Let's talk about how I can help you figure your shit out when it comes to all the BS and the trends in the nutrition and fitness industry. I am a nutrition coach that understands the hurdles that women face every day as I too am a wife and a mother, which is why a sustainable lifestyle can't just consist of tracking your macros. Join me each week as I, or sometimes we, talk about everything from health, wellness, nutrition, mindset, body, and fitness. The goal of this podcast is to have you think more about your habits and behaviors, your relationship with food, and for you to get really curious about where you are right now and where you want to be. If you've been struggling with your health and wellness and achieving your goals, you cannot afford to miss out on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B, and I'm so excited to have with me. I'm going to call her my co-host today because I know she's got plenty to say about the topics we're going to talk about. So I'm talking with Carrie Lee Fitness and um, Carrie and I, let's see. Well, currently um, we do work together, but we're also part of the alumni with HMCC. And I actually think I, I was creeping on you, I think, before HMCC. I think yeah. I was seeing some of your posts float through some of my news feeds and I'm just like, who is this girl? I really like what she has to say. And, um, I love your journey. Uh, you and I've gotten to know each other really, really well. And I just feel like you're just such a great human in this space. And what I mean by that is like, you're no bullshit, just like me. And I feel like you've gone through your own life experiences as well as your education. Like you're, this is not, you're not somebody who just walked up the street and said, Hey, I'm going to be a nutrition coach. Um, but I really just like, actually, first, I'm going to say this. She makes me laugh more than anything else because, <laughs> because of her reels and her TikToks. So you guys, at the end, we'll tell you where to find her. But that's just it, though. Like, you make learning this stuff so much more fun. And <laughs> you really make it basic. But yet I know you and I, we can, we can agree that it's sometimes very frustrating as coaches to see what we see in the industry. And it's, it's really hard. So, um, Carrie? Tell me a little bit more about you, like who you are, what you do, who you coach, that kind of thing. And then we'll just dive into some of the topics. Awesome. Sure. Thank you. Um, and yes, I love the TikToks that uh, the TikToks and reels are, everyone thinks I put, you know, so, so, so much effort into it, but it's actually kind of 
how I have my downtime. I have so much fun just filming them. It's, um, you know, kind of like playing for me, but it's a really fun way to be able to teach and stuff. But um, yeah, so I'm Carrie, um, Carrie Lee Fitness, CEO of Carrie Lee Fitness um, Coaching. And I have been an online fitness and nutrition coach for, I want to say seven years now, um, more so full-time online since COVID. Thank you for that. Um, had to pivot during that time. And, uh, yeah, I underwent my own transformation. Um, you know, I lost originally, I lost over a hundred pounds. Um, I regained when I was pregnant about 75 and, you know, ended up losing that as well in a much more, um, like slow, um, healthier manner, I should say. And, uh, yeah, I use my experience to help women over 30. Um, that's typically who I work with, um, you know, find a lifestyle that suits them, right? Like if you're looking for a quick fix, I'm not your girl, you know, I'm not, not the person to help you, but if you're looking to, you know, make some powerful changes and, you know, do the hard work, the, uh, um, learning new habits, undoing old thoughts and beliefs, um, then I'm the one to come to. Yeah. Like I think too, like when we, when we met in, um, HMCC, like, I mean, obviously we were all there for the same reason. And I think of course mindset plays such a huge role, but that's just it. But I mean, how do we unlearn all of this stuff? Right. And so like, that's Mm -hmm. where we can just kind of dive right into like, I mean, I have been in this industry hell of a lot longer than you for sure. Cause I'm old. (laughs) I feel like a dinosaur. (laughs) say don't look at it all (laughs) well thank you um but like I remember when I started just personal training and stuff like that like back then it was still like I think that's when the eat clean like thing was coming out like keto wasn't really anything I heard about it but it was nowhere near where it was like eat clean so oxygen magazines I think it's like it was just everything you had to do was like you had to eat clean food and back then I just no one knew what that meant. You just, you didn't eat any processed foods is what I gathered, or you never had a treat or anything like that. But there's so many fad diets out there. And I feel like there's so much bullshit in the industry that we have to unlearn. And, you know, I feel like that's where you and I are like pretty much on the same page. Cause I mean, everything from like, you've, you've mentioned it in, in, in numerous posts of like, um, whether it's uh, a keto approach or detoxes, cleanses, waist trainers, I'm from the bodybuilding world. Let me tell you, I even used a waist trainer back in the day. And that's how much bullshit, like I've done it. Like I'm never going to, I would never say I never tried it because I was told in the bro science, you know, of that world that, Hey, if you want a smaller waist and if you want to have this V, you know, this wide back, little tiny, narrow waist and big quads, you need to use this. And I'm, I, I mean, I just, I think about all that stuff. So when we look at the fad diet, and what we see out there, what would be the thing that bothers you the most? Or what is that diet right now that you feel is like the one that really is holding people back? The one that you hear most often with your clients? It's got to be somewhere between, um, you know, any diet that tells you to eliminate carbs altogether. I mean, I can pick at keto. Um, I have nothing wrong with keto foods. I don't know why it has to belong to a camp like a certain labeled camp, it can just be a food that's higher in fat. Cool. That's great. But you know, it's when we start saying that like a smoothie that has, and I'm going to call this out. This is actually a place here that has this smoothie. It's like heavy cream. Um, there's like coconut oil in it. And 
I think it's like full fat milk of some sort. It's like this blend of fats and it's like this 1200 calorie smoothie. And then you're telling someone that they can't have like a banana or something like that's what drives me nuts. Um, and it's probably between that and fasting, which I don't have a problem with people who truly like intermittent fasting, but it's just become this, uh, like this magic strategy of somebody just basically restricting all day and being like, wow, I'm losing weight because I'm starving myself in the morning. And then like, you know, overeating at lunchtime, I guess. So yeah, I think they bother me when they fall into the wrong hands or people are doing them without like an understanding of like why it's actually working, I guess. Yeah. And like, for me, it's quite often the, I think the misconception of what, um, true success is with those type of fat diets. So like, for me, like I even just recently had a client who had said to me, well, I use weight watchers and I, and I dropped 35 pounds, but I gained 22 back. And I said to her at what time then did you experience success? And she's like, well, the five months that I did weight watchers. Okay. So that's, that's the point I'm trying to make is that it lasted five months because whatever you did within that five months was a protocol that you at that time for five months was, was sustainable. So why couldn't you keep off that 22 pounds? What was different? And, you know, she's, she's still kind of thinking about that, but I know I could probably start to, you know, pick apart those things that are missing, like the habits and the behaviors, your mindset, your relationship with food and knowing that it is just a temporary thing, like in most cases, but here's the thing. If you're that person who's done the ketos has done whatever you name it, whatever you want, intermittent fasting, if you've been successful, and I mean, successful as in you've now gone back into a balanced approach and you're maintaining, that's great. You're, you're a view, you're a small percentage, but the thing is, is that let's be honest here. It's not the actual diet. It's the balanced approach that's working for you because now you're in a maintenance, right? And I feel like if that's what it takes, if you have to do a fat diet to get you to that place where you can now reverse and be in a better place, that's great. But why did we have to resort to cutting carbs and, you know, starving ourselves till noon when in fact, that's not what you're doing now. So like, that's where I'm just like, how do we unlearn this stuff when you still practice some of these things that make no sense, right? Sustainability is the name of the game, Carrie. And I just, I, for me as, as being in the, in the industry, as long as I have, I still, you know, it can be very frustrating to try and tackle a lot of the bullshit that we hear because you're going to have those camps. Right. And I hear you. Like, I don't know why it has to be anything. Why can't we just have high, like a high fat meal? Why does it have to be called keto? But even then, why does it have to be keto? That's the question. Why do we have to have like, why, why no carbs? You know, and I don't understand where that comes from. So for you, did you ever experience going through your own fat diets? Like, when oh, you talk yeah. about your transformation, what were those diets for you? <laughs> oh my gosh. Honestly, like, like I said, if I had a black belt in anything, it would be an experience um, with the diet industry. Um, right. I've probably done more than most. I spent, I want to say two decades, like trying to lose weight. Um, I didn't even have a waist trainer. I used to put saran wrap around my stomach when I went out with my friends to try and like make myself live a flat stomach. Like it, it would end up like kind of rolled in the middle of like, you know, yeah. kind of crumple up at the end of the night. Like if I was at the club, I was, you know, or wearing one of my dance body suits or whatever. And uh, I, gosh, I went from everything from like prescription diet pills that it was something that then got taken off the market, you know, which you know, very dangerous that I was prescribed it in the first place as a teenager. Yeah. Um, you know, I did 
Atkins at some point, um, I, when I joined a gym, they told me I was obese because of my BMI, even though I wasn't at all and told me I, I had to go on like the zone diet, I think was carb free. I don't remember. And then like, you know, at Subway, I think they switched from like uh, bread to wraps at some point in the nineties. And then I was like trying to eat everything was like a wrap and like Atkins bars. And even though wraps have just as much carbs for the most know, part right? as bread, I don't understand. It's like, I know, you know, but yeah, I did it all. Um, you know, even to the point where I tried that celebrity drink that like cayenne pepper and honey and lemon, like you're supposed to just drink liquid. And I did like a raw food diet, even though at that point, I don't even think I really liked vegetables very much. Um, and I would lose it, you know? Um, but then I would gain it back the next day and end up eating more than what I would have, you know, and just feeling like hopeless. And even when I initially lost the weight the first time, which was incredible. I mean, I worked hard. I won't take that away from myself, but the amount of struggle I went through to get on my first bodybuilding stage, because that's what prompted that initial weight loss. Um, I did the six meals a day, like tilapia and broccoli. And like, I ha- had to do burpees if I ate an orange, you know, like I wasn't allowed to have anything off my meal plan. So yeah, I learned how to eat a balanced meal for the most part. Like I know how to now prioritize protein and veggies like easily. So I'm thankful for that, but yeah. um it was very restrictive, you know? So it's like, that's what I try and prevent other people having to go through. Cause I had to undo a lot of, um, you know, beliefs, um, you know, and like, I had very negative relationship with food after that, you know, and it took a while to be able to like, be like, this is okay to have this, you know, and now carbs are my best friend, but. Do you know, it's interesting too, because I know because you and I share that same experience um, and I would never be want to bash the bodybuilding industry. I I truly admire and and I will always be a bodybuilder because it's the one thing I love most. Like I mean, I'm back in the gym. I don't I'm not even crossfitting anymore, but I love muscle on women, on men. It doesn't matter who you are. But the thing is is that the industry itself when it comes to the dieting aspect, it's really it really is hard and I think what I wish I could see or I what I wish would change. And I think it does come back to coaches responsibilities is that it's it's a it's this is this transformation is for a stage, like how we diet our clients and how this girl looks from this first picture to this picture in 16, 20, 18, whatever that weeks that is. And they're in heels and they're all sparkly and they're looking fucking amazing. That is a competition because the thing is, is that they get ready. They're doing all the tasks to be a bodybuilder. So I don't understand why Jen pub or why these coaches don't explain that more so that Jen Pub understand that are you then now lining up to be a bodybuilder? Do you understand what that means? Because that's like me thinking those CrossFitters look amazing and I'm going to go snatch a barbell with 140 pounds over my head just because I think I can do it because that's the problem with bodybuilding or those diets. I think I can do it because my friend did it. She got a photo shoot done. She went on stage. It doesn't look that hard. She looked amazing. And they only look at that outcome picture. So I do wish that that industry would kind of evolve a little bit. And I do feel that there's a lot of responsible coaches out there, some pretty high end, high level, but I also know there's a lot of bro science still out there. And I, I use that term because I just feel like it's just, it's just really, it lacks evidence. It's they're stuck in their own ways. They will never come out of the whole, like I can have a banana or my client can have a banana. They'll never do that. Not during contest prep because they just do not believe in it. 
or it's never worked for them because whatever reason. But at the end of the day, that's the one thing about that industry. Um, Cause I agree. If there's one thing, I mean, I always had a shitty relationship with food prior to, cause I was always trying to diet as well. Um, I was the fat kid in the playground, but I do believe my very first competition back in 1999, I do believe that's what really laid that solid foundation for a real shitty relationship with food as well as my, my, my image, right? Like you go from looking one way again, people, this is very temporary stage ready is so temporary. Um, but you, you, you go back to eating and for some people it's out of control eating. That was my experience. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would, I never continue to be a binger, but I'll tell you that week, I, I would classify myself as a binger for sure. Then after that, it was just so bad. So when you hear people that come to you and they talk about like, I want to look like that person or my friends doing that diet, like how, what is that conversation like for you with your, with the, this client, this potential client? How do we get them out um, of this like comparison? And I want to be like, I always let everyone know when they sign up, Um, I think the most important conversation to have with clients, you know, is one setting expectations and, you know, asking their goals, like, what do you want to look like? Why, or not not necessarily, what do you want to look like, but what are your goals? What are your physique based goals, whatever. And, you know, finding out the why and like letting them know, like, depending on what their goal is, there's going to be trade-offs. You know, I lay that right at the beginning, you know, we say, number one, you're choosing to be in a diet phase you know, remember this, it's temporary. Um, and depending on what your goal is, you know, if you're trying to get lean, if you want visible abs, there are going to be trade-offs and things are going to need to change. Like, yes, we're taking a flexible approach, but you're still going to need to practice some restraint and get planning. Um, you know, you may not be able to say yes to every single social, social situation, even though people advertise flexible dieting is like, eat what you want and lose weight. And it's like, cool. If you're, you know, you know, if you have a lot of weight to lose and like, for the most part, like you're just making some simple swaps, like, you know, getting rid of liquid calories or whatever, like you may have some more wiggle room, but for most people, if you were eating out like three or four times a week, I mean, I'm a pro at this. And if I do that, I struggle, Yeah. you know, and I, I can, I can calculate macros in my head without even looking at stuff. Like I can, I'm pretty good at it. And, uh, when you're dieting, you get, you know, you get tired, like mentally fatigued, not necessarily at the beginning, but you want to make it as easy for yourself as possible. So I always have that conversation that there are going to be trade-offs. What's important to you? Like if you're, you know, Friday night with the girls going out and having all this wine is like a non-negotiable. It's like, well, then this version of yourself that you wish to be might not be that person, you know, like it's kind of, you know, letting them know that the body that you want may not come with the identity and lifestyle that you want, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think you hit the nail right there. Like, I feel like people don't understand too, like when they do look at said picture or friends transformation, that they actually don't know what it's like. Um, because I do believe, and this is because I lived this is that people are not honest. So like, I did not tell anybody, which is why I talk about it now. I never even told my husband how fucked up my relationship was with food. I was embarrassed. I'm this trainer. Like, how can I be so weak to think that having a fucking banana is going to derail me, you know? And 
and that kind of thing. So if someone asked me like, how are you doing? Or, oh, I mean, how's the diet? I'd be like, oh, it's amazing. Like, look at me. You know what I mean? Like, it was just nothing but good news. But deep down, I'm fighting those demons. I want those cookies. I want to eat all the food. I'm watching every minute. Like, I remember there's a point in time with contest prep and any, any dieting phase, in my opinion, where you start to get really lean, where the um, food network is the first channel you, you, you're on. And I do know, because I competed in 2011, that that's when Instagram 2012 was starting to start to get its traction. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, all I did was follow food because I was so freaking hungry and I just yeah. wanted, wanted, wanted. So it's such a messed up situation, right? Like I don't even, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's, it's, it's hard. It's so completely hard. And just recently having conversations with a few clients about like their, their expectations and doing this comparison of where they were, you know, five years ago or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but who were you five years ago? And where are you now? And comparing yourself to your best friend who seems to be doing okay, wait until she's done especially when you start to find out that they are struggling to the point where they, they themselves can't be honest because they just are so shamed or they feel so guilty from the choices that they're making. Right. Mm -hmm. So do you often come across that though, where you have clients that are so, so deep entrenched into that diet culture? Like how hard is that? Um, yeah, there'll be occasionally I'll get one that's like, no matter what I say, or not necessarily what I say, but like, you know, what, what's been taught or what they're practicing, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll see their diary, their food diary, or have their feedback during their check-ins. And it's like, I've given you, let's say I've given you 1900 calories to eat daily or something. Yeah. And they're coming in at 14 because they don't trust me. They think, Hey, yeah. you're trying to make me fat, you know, because they're so used to being told to eat 1200 calories you know, um, and then not making progress because, you know, not because they're under eating, but because they're under eating, they're overeating on the other days and not accounting for it. Right. So they're just bringing your calories up. It's like understanding that you're going to be more consistent. Like the chances of you, like you eating 1400 calories daily, you're probably going to be a hundred percent consistent 50% of the time. And mm-hmm. if you're eating 19, 18, 1900 calories, you're probably going to be 90% consistent hundred percent of the time, which is what we want. That's when we yeah. start to see results. Right. Do you know, I feel like, um, I don't, it's, it, that's the part that I struggle with. I think for my clients is they're so, they're still so stuck in, you know, the eat less, move more, um, mentality and not understanding what food actually can do for us. So these fad diets just win, right? Like if it's not keto, if it's not in, like, I, I agree with you, keto and intermittent fasting or any sort of camp like that, uh, very big right now. The other one would be more or less to like, um, take this probiotic and it's going to cure everything because of, you know, like it's your, your gut brain access and how that's going to somehow change everything about you. And it's going to promote fat burning. Um, you got your fat burners. I was just recently um, tagged into a post that was just asking my opinion on this fat burner. I'm like, there's, there's no pill. Like even for me, I was in the supplement industry. I know what goes into that shit. And I'm telling you right now, there's not, especially with, with supplementation, this stuff is not regulated. So the, 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 you know, I guess the claims they make, like this is most of this is made up shit, or it's like an individual herb that's been studied once 
now they can utilize that and apply that to their label. But it's just so very, very frustrating, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's so hard, you know, and we as coaches, we go up against that. Like yeah. I'm, we're going up against diet culture to, you know, and all for me, like, I know I still have people that say like, why do you, why as a coach, do you think that it's okay to help people, you know, want to diet? I'm like, because there's a better way. Yeah. I would far sooner be that coach to say, listen, you're on keto. I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm just saying there is a better way. Yeah. Um, so with that, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the fat burners, waist trainers, and all that stuff that's out there? Because you've got some really good reels on it. Like, have you, do you actually yeah. have clients that do talk about supplementation and the, the things that they rely on or ask about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always, in our first um, like consult call, we always go through like their history of like what they've tried, what's worked, what's not. And, you know, they'll be like, yes, I have a waist trainer. It's like, you know, it seemed like an easy thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, gosh, I would wear one if that worked. If I could just not wake up at 4 a.m. every day and go to the gym and like take a pill, like, don't you think I'd be the first one to do this instead of showing up every day, constantly repeating myself like a parrot on Instagram, you know, it would be a lot easier. But, um, so fat burners, like I'm, I'm, you know, an example of this. I had not only just prescription based ones, those gave me, um, anxiety. I had to end up taking medication to help me with anxiety after from taking them, like, because it was so extreme. Like it was something called, um, fentramine, I believe, which ended up being taken from, the off the market. Right. And a, a doctor gave them to me when I was told him that I was struggling with an eating disorder and that I, uh, you know, was overweight and wanted to lose weight, all this stuff. Like literally he was just like, Oh, let me give you this prescription. You'll eat less. Didn't really help. Right. But I, in my bodybuilding years took, uh, some fat burner that I found at a store. Well, I don't even remember. Probably. I don't know if it was a Fedra based or not, but oh, pro- yeah, what probably. I ended yeah. up with yeah. Plus I was probably downing like six black coffees a day. Cause couldn't have creamer. Right. But I, um, what I ended up with was not accelerated fat loss. It was an ulcer, which was great, you know, from taking all that, <laughs> all that excess caffeine, you know, and, uh, just more anxiety. So it's like, is it really worth it? You know, for something that cool, maybe the caffeine might make you burn like a tiny bit more calories through movement or something, you know what I mean? But overall it's like, just get more steps in, just get your that, sleep, you know? Right. It's just, it comes back to the lifestyle shit. Like I always say like supplementation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always say like, I look at the, the, the pyramid. Cause I mean, like everybody else, I think that's, you know, reputable in this industry. We all have our, like, you know, our, ba- our basic pyramid or hierarchy of, of nutrition. And I have always put supplementation at the top. Like I, the only thing that I don't put at the top because as like the, the end, like I don't need anything is creatine and, and uh, protein powder. Um, those are two, the, the, the two fundamentals of supplementation. That I think everybody should have, but that being said, I mean, honestly, like the fat burners, the waist trainers, all of that shit. Like, it's just, again, it's just first and foremost people it's marketing. Secondly, it is just a temporary thing for your brain to think that you're doing something. But the facts are like, even when, if I, I mean, I never had ever experienced turbo magic, but I know it was one of the big ones here. And I mean, like when you look at some of their information, okay, say take this herb, but then change all of this about your nutrition and eat this many calories. People thought it was the, per- the, the magic pill, but it's just like, no, you were actually told to eat no food. Like, like, like I just, that, that relationship, like it's such a disconnect, right? Um, it's the same thing with keto. You know, people often say, well, okay, like I'm not eating carbs, 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 carbs. I'm like, yeah, well, you actually took an entire macronutrient profile out 
you know, give or take 20 grams. And that means a reduction in, in calories. So I'm like, that's why this is working again. And maybe now you're moving more or you're paying attention to things that were, you know, once never really like you neglected, like your sleep and your stress management. And now all of a sudden you're paying attention because you're on this keto journey. Like, again, I think the fundamentals of diet are there, but at the end of the day, it's still like a calorie deficit that's working for you. And the changes that you've been making in that moment. But I feel like the biggest disconnect is that um, fat diets don't work on the habits and behaviors. They create actually and lay foundations for the worst types of habits and behaviors, which is what is going to lead me to my next conversation. So I remember when I was doing my you know, bodybuilding diet, and let's just call it low carb because it wasn't keto, but it was very, very low carb, low calorie. I, I would drive miles to find Walden Farm stuff. I would order online and risk it showing up here frozen and broken and then reorder and reorder and reorder because I had to have the zero calorie pancake syrup. And I would lick that shit off my plate. I would drink it when I was so fucking hungry. I would make stuff that even my husband would be like, why are you doing that? It's just stupid stuff. So even when I look at like and I don't want I am I'm going to put this out there. I don't want anybody to feel any guilt or shame for what they do. But I do want to say that it is, it is not necessary to take something like a cauliflower, which is a vegetable, and now make it pizza crust. It's not necessary. You can have pizza crust made of dough. And then if you're gluten-free, that's cool because, hey, you've got celiacs. But you don't have to do calorie or, sorry, a cauliflower crust because somehow it's the carb is, is so much worse, right. In the, in the pizza dough. So what are your thoughts around that too? Because I see this a lot, like let's do the pepper sandwiches. Let's do, to me, that's, that's still such a disordered thought because now all of a sudden you can't even have a, a burger with your kids. Like, what are you telling your children when they ask mom, everybody else at the barbecue is having a bun on their burger. Am I supposed to have lettuce? What do you say to these children? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, it, it drives me nuts. And I, I can say this from both sides because there are people, um, I'll, I'll start from like kind of what you said first, but you know, people go out and buy these cauliflower crusts. They have the ones that are frozen. Like I've held it up before. It's the same amount of calories as a regular pizza crust. It's yeah. literally the same, you know, or you hold up two different types of ice cream, like a halo top one, for example. Um, and the keto version is more calories, you know? So people are like, I'm moving the carbs. This means I'm good. And then they're probably going to end up eating more after because they felt like they've been good. Yes. Um, when you don't need to, if you like cauliflower crust, there's nothing wrong with using it if you enjoy it, yeah. but by taking cauliflower and then adding a whole bunch of like butter and cheese into it to make it stick together. Cause like, you can't just stick together cauliflower. Like you're adding just as many calories. Right. And it's, um, it's not teaching you anything. You're just removing it instead of like, you know, just learning how to have the pizza in moderation. Right. Um, right. but like at the same time, I think, you know, if you're in a diet phase, you know, there's times where I have used, um, like the cauliflower crumbles, I guess. Do I call it rice? No, I'm just saying, okay, this is an easy way for me to get more vegetables in and volumize my food. Yep. I'll actually a lot of the time mix it half and half with rice so I can bulk up my food. I don't think there's anything wrong with using zucchini. Um, if you're choosing to, if you feel like you have to, because it's bad and the other, you know, spaghetti is going to make you fat. I think that's where it's problematic. Um, 
And I think it's very important, you know, around your kids, especially to be mindful about what you're showing them because they don't do what you say, they do what you do. Right. So for me, when I'm showing my son, I mean, he's only three, but I talk to him about everything I do. I say, you know, mommy's adding veggies to her meal because vegetables are really good for you. I don't say, oh, mommy can't have carbs or mommy can't have rice. I just say, I'm adding this, you know, so he understands. I'd be like, would you like some on the side too? You know, and I'll give him some vegetables, um, you know, just to kind of rewording, you know, how I'm using it, I guess. Um, Hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, it does. And I really Mm -hmm. liked what you said about like, you can, you can do this. Like by all means. Yeah. Like if you like cauliflower and you like to make a pizza crust out of it, cool. My thing is, is that when you're choosing to diet, you're choosing to have a, it's like momentary restriction really, because we don't diet forever. Right. So you're choosing to have some restraint. Actually, it's not even restriction restraint. So you're choosing that. And, but in the very beginning, you shouldn't have to be like cutting everything out. And the problem that I see with the fad diet or some sort of like extreme protocol is that, is that you're doing too many things too hard, too fast, too soon, all that kind of stuff, which makes the journey so hard, which is why we end up doing things with our meals that don't even make sense just to fill the gap and to whatever. But if you're on this journey and I mean, like I, you know, Karen, I've had numerous conversations about this when you're in a cutting phase and you've made this decision to do it for sure. You are going to have to deal with your poverty macros. You are going to have to find a way to become more satiated. You are going to have to put the cookie down for maybe the next three weeks. Like it's going to happen, but that doesn't mean it's forever. Whereas the other approaches are teaching you that forever is what you need to do. You know, and I think that that's part of the problem, right? So I agree. Like I've done, I've done cauliflower, rice, whatever you want to call it. Like I've, I've done it. I like it with, um, I actually like mixing it with rice exactly the same way. When you find a method, that's great. That's awesome. And you can enjoy and you stick to it by all means, but really to, um, well, I'll say to like, I mean, I, I was just observing this. I don't try to cast any judgment, but I was recently at Costco. And the cart in front of me was loaded with meat. And I knew just by every label that was in their package that said keto, this keto, that keto, this. And I'm just like, it was like, we're talking probably, I don't know, six to 10, maybe more packs of chicken breast and ground beef and steak. And then all this processed, you know, packaged keto stuff. It was all labeled keto, lots of avocado, lots of peanut butter, you name it, eggs, you name it. They were all there. And I was like, I need to, I would love to see, like, this is a full card. I have a full card of whatever. I wanted to kind of like understand how much money this person was spending in terms of this, like, you know, this, this approach, I didn't ask them any questions. I didn't, I mean, I was just kind of being like that lingering curiosity. And I heard, heard them say like this, how much, and it was like over $600. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a, that's a big investment. Right. And I'm thinking that's what you're doing though. Like you were investing in changing your entire lifestyle with one food, with one macronutrient. And it's a high, it's a big, big cost because that is not cheap. I mean, we, protein is not cheap. Right. And so I just, like, I mean, think about it, like cheese is not cheap. Like butter, none of that stuff is cheap. Right. So like, you know, kind of, you know, circling back to these, you know, these protocols, like again, like that extreme approach just isn't in cutting out a macronutrient. You're, you're spending and investing more dollars, um, even my daughter who works at Starbucks, she's like, mom, people will come in and ask for the keto drink. And she's like, 
Why oh, are we asking for a keto, a drink? keto like, drink? Why is Starbucks oh. jumping on this bandwagon? Everyone you know what is. I mean? Mm-hmm. It's sad. And so it's, it's tough because even for her, she's like, I just don't understand. And she's, she's going to be 21 years old, you know, and she's the person receiving this order and making this and people are actual, like, I mean, again, in that camp, people can be really rude about it because mm-hmm. if there's too many carbs, they'll, they'll throw it back. Right. Yeah. Um, so with that being said though, what I, what I'm going to ask you is, and, and maybe your thought, because you're in Bermuda, right? Mm-hmm. So what is that experience being kind of like island type of living and stuff like that? Does that same diet culture stuff exist over where you're at? Uh, it's even worse. I swear. Um, maybe not, maybe I notice it more because we're so small, but, yeah. um, but I honestly can't go a day without being somewhere hearing something about, like I was in the grocery store the other day and the cashier was telling the woman like, Oh, all you have to do to lose weight is just do the eat one meal a day. Cause she's like, I just eat whatever I want. And I lost all this weight. And I was like, I can't go anywhere without shaking my head. Right. And keto is, um, rampant everywhere. Every single menu here has like a keto option. Um, the doctor programs here, like it's insane. Like I've had clients tell me like, Oh, the doctor said that I have to cut out all carbs and all this. And I'm like, why? Like, there's no, they said, I wanted to lose weight. So I have to cut out carbs, you know? So it's not even just these businesses and like restaurants, it's the medical medical side of things here too. Um, as well as, I mean, there's a coffee shop here that not only has like an entire keto menu, but they also now have like the barista created a detox menu of all of her juices that she's done. One's a liver cleanser. One is a fat burner. And I, I was like, who's, whose idea was this, you know, and it's, yeah. it's just jumping on the fad train and the owner of this restaurant's obsessed with keto and fasting and, you know, um, and they're promoting it. So I find like, I have to scream even louder here. Um, because o- Bermuda has a severe obesity problem. Um, I struggle to get steps in here. I have to be intentional. Like I have to take myself either to a park and do laps or to a treadmill and walk for an hour um, to get even close to 10,000 because it's very small and it's not lined with sidewalks. Our roads are very narrow. Um, You know, you don't just go walking like that and the parks are small. So if you're going for a walk, you know, you're doing laps. Um, So Bermuda has a big problem with that. you know, we have, I think one of the highest diabetes rates, um, per capita, um, highest like amputation rate due to diabetes, like heart disease, all of that. Um, you know, and it's very expensive to live. So people don't understand, like they think if you're being told by diet culture or whatever that, you know, in order to lose weight, you have to eat, like, let's say you have to buy all these keto foods that are more expensive, or you have to eat organic let's say that, you know, three organic chicken breasts here. That's a whole nother discussion are $38. So you're telling these people here, you know, for Bermuda, like it's the most expensive place to live in the world. We, we won that label this last year, which was, you know, not something to be proud of, but you're telling someone, you know, who makes, let's say like, maybe they have a hundred dollars to spend on groceries that they got to spend 38 bucks on organic chicken. They're going to be like, I don't care. I'm just going to go through the um, the fast food place and get the $10 meal. That's going to feed my family. Yeah. You know, so there's the misinformation I think is the worst part instead of teaching that person that they could, you know, get a bag of frozen fries, get, 
you know, some steamable, like frozen vegetables, if you want for your family and like a can of tuna and like make a tuna salad or something like that is doable. It may not be, I mean, you don't want to eat it every day, but understanding that like it's, there's ways to work around it, I guess. Yeah. And you know, what's up. Uh, and it's funny, you were reading my, my mind when you were mm-hmm. talking about the doctors, like that's my, my, I think my biggest thing too, is like quite often. And it's mostly people who are type two diabetic or they're, they're just, they're chronically obese, uh, morbid obesity. Their doctors are saying you must go keto. And I always ask them, cause I'm like, I'm not going to step on the toes of a medical professional. I did not go to school for, you know, decades to, to get a, you know, anything. So my question is though, what did your doctor say to you that explained how keto keto works and how this will benefit you? Because just simply telling somebody to go keto is not helpful. And I think that that's where I wish that, and, and I mean, I think one of the best people to call this out is someone like the Lane Norton's of the world where he will be the first one to say, it doesn't matter if you're a medical doctor or not, like you do not have education in, in nutrition and you can't just tell your, your patient to go keto and not understand actually where, like, if you're looking at someone who's obese, I'm going to assume that you have had a poor relationship with food at one point in time in your life. Yep. I'm going to make a lot of assumptions because of who I work with, but I will want to ask you how you got here. And most doctors don't ask. I'm not going to just assume because you step on a scale one day and your BMI reads like whatever that you now need to go keto, but that's, this is what the doctors do. And if you tell someone who has a shitty relationship with food to begin with to go keto, I'm sorry. I that's, it's probably the biggest thing that I, I, I can't handle it. I just want to, just jump through the phone to that doctor and be like, how irresponsible are you? You know, like you're just trying to get that patient in and out. So you got your 50 bucks or whatever it is that you get per patient. And you didn't think to ask this patient how they got to be 300 pounds, high blood pressure, you know, depression. You just assume because they're overweight, they just have a food, they have an eating problem, but where does that start? Right. And so like, that's what really gets me. And that's when I see the women in the supermarkets talking to each other and have the carts full of keto. I'm like, you, all of you ladies need to have a real conversation about how you are, where you got, how you got here and where you are right now, because keto is not the answer. And either is Mm -hmm. intermittent fasting, you know, detoxes or whatever, because you have to deal with the shit. You have to figure your shit out. Essentially is what I say to everybody. That's it. Um, Oh, it's just like, I, I mean, I could go on and on about that one too. Like, I think that's part, probably one of the things that I honestly cannot to- tolerate in this, in this industry is just like, but my doctor told me to, you know, yep. how do you and get, how that? do you fight against that? You can't because, you know, I've, I had a client, um, you know, that ended up leaving, um, because of her doctor, you know, and I think another, um, another doctor or a book she read or something. And she was saying, you know, these qualified professionals are saying I can't have carbs and you're saying I can. So, you know, they're more qualified than you. So I'm going to listen to them. And it's like, what do you say? Right. It's like, I, I'm more qualified in nutrition. I don't have a PhD. I was like, you know, unless they actually have a PhD in, you know, nutrition. And even, even then you don't always get the best, but that's the thing. It's, um, you know, it's, I think the biggest red flag to look for is that is doctors who don't, or just any professional, I don't want to just say doctors, but if anyone's trying to sell you on a diet or tell you you have to do something, it's like, 
asking you if it's sustainable, asking like, you know, would this work for you? Well, maybe we could do this. Like, you know, you want it to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, whatever the approach is, it needs to be catered to you. They need to understand your lifestyle, like just telling mm-hmm. someone, Hey, do this. But like, you don't know what that person's lifestyle is like. Um, you know, if you have someone that they say doesn't have a lot of money, then you need to have another conversation about how they can eat, like, you know, eat for their lifestyle, um, you know, and just kind of add some nuance and some context and, and have them ask more questions about you so that it's catered, like personalized to you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I feel like if I could just sit in a room with professionals, so I would, I would say anyone from a medical doctor, a physiotherapist, mm-hmm. chiropractor, massage therapist, they're the ones that often say stuff that they are, they're never in their lane. They go out of their lane and think it's their business to talk nutrition. Um, I would ask all of those professionals to maybe suggest talking to a nutrition coach, registered yes. dietitian. Don't even sit, don't even suggest a, a dieting protocol because unfortunately you don't know enough about that dieting protocol and that might not be applicable to that person. You know, so Carrie's right, like you're right there because she would be the coach who would ask all the questions. I would be that coach that would be asking yeah. you all the questions. The problem is if you've already come to me and you've got your medical professional, whoever that might be, who you've been, you know, basically, you know, going to for all your self-care needs, whatever you've got them telling you that you need to go keto or, Hey, try intermittent fasting. Cause it worked for most of my patients. How in the hell are we supposed to convince them otherwise? Exactly. Right. Because we always tell people get referrals, get, you know, testimonials and all this kind of stuff. But then you've got somebody who's telling you that actually has no basis, you know? And for me, that's where it's, it's tough because it does come back to a few things, lifestyle, managing your stress, and for sure, I would definitely say sleep, but those are the things that are woo woo to people. They don't think that those three things have anything to do with their body composition yet. And it's Carrie, everything. I mean, right. But do you work out? It's like, yes. <laughs> do you, do you, do you sleep seven to nine hours a day? That's the plan. That most of the time. Yes. I yeah, try. Right? I, I, do I, you yeah. like manage your stress to your best ability? Cause exactly, you've got yeah. a little guy, you're getting married here soon. Like, yeah, these are the things that you've been working on throughout your entire yeah. journey. Right. And same thing with me. If I hadn't done all of that stuff, I wouldn't be yeah. where I'm at. I still have a no. fucked up relationship with food. I mean, I do macros and all that kind of stuff too. And I know you as well, but mm-hmm. again, they're tools. Those are not diets. And exactly. I think that that's, I mean, if we could get anybody back to that is like, what tools can you use? Exactly. You know? It's like those, those basic habits. It's like, if you are not sleeping well, if you are not managing your stress, if you aren't, if you aren't eating enough lean protein in a day, then start there, fix that work on those and then consider going into a diet. Like I, I I'm at the point, like, you know, where, when I talk with people and it's like, you kind of have to earn your way to get into a deficit. Like if, if you are, if you don't have those foundations built, um, you know, those foundational habits built your calorie deficit phase, like your diet phase is going to suck because you're going to be more hungry and you're going to be more stressed. I, I liked what you said, how you rephrase that, because I personally, and I don't know if you've heard me say this, I don't think anybody has to earn it, but I do think they have to work towards it and build those foundations because I think that at the end of the day, it's that 
it's the understanding. And so for me, and I'm not the expert here, like it's just what I feel works best for my clients is like, is understanding where you are right now, where you've been, and then where you want to go. Because the phase of what you are sitting at right now and where you were has 100% to do with where you want to go. Because like you said, you got to work on those foundations, the habits and behaviors, the relationship with food, like sleeping, managing your Mm -hmm. stress, like I mean, the thing is, is like those, those things, they matter because lifestyle encompasses so many things. Like it's your workout time. It's your walking time. It's your massage time. Like there's all these things, right? So you got to learn how to manage all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can't, you can't avoid it. Right. When people say, well, I'm not seeing results. Well, it's, it's likely because you're, there's a few things you're not adhering to and you have to start working towards and not saying you have to do them all, but you're definitely probably missing some of the big, you know, the big things that matter and they're the big things, but they're the smallest to move. Right. you know, and they add up, but I really wanted to say, or actually, but I shouldn't say, but I wanted (laughs) to finish off with this because you had some really good points. So you had mentioned protein. What are some other things that maybe just give me a, a, I don't know, a list of like three or four things that you feel that someone could take with them today that would just move that needle even 1% tomorrow for them. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, steps, I would say, get up and move more. And I don't mean like you have to go buy a Fitbit and stuff. I mean, it's helpful. It's motivating, but, um, take the stairs at work. If you're going to the grocery store, park a bit farther away and do an extra lap. Um, you know, just little tiny bits of movement add up. It has been enough to push me, push the needle in my own diet when I've plateaued without changing my calories, just increasing my steps. Um, and it's enjoyable and it kind of helps with the stress management, which would be you know, one of the other ones, which I know, like to just say, manage your stress, you know, each person obviously has different stressors. Like it could be their environment. It could be work. You can't just always quit your job, which, you know, can be great if you can, but, you know, find a way to balance the books, whether it's 10 minutes in the bathtub you're by yourself or putting your hand on your stomach and doing five deep breaths and like, just, you know, dropping your shoulders down, like taking those moments. Um, I'm like going back up. Like I said, steps, I said that definitely protein. I think honestly, increasing your lean protein and having, you know, I'm going to say anywhere between 25 and 40 grams per meal, um, Mm -hmm. is enough to almost like make you automatically eat less calories because as long as it's like lean protein, right. We're not doing it from like sausage or anything like that all the time, but, um, you know, because you're going to end up not only burning more calories from eating it, but you're going to eat less because you're going to be full. So I think between that and then loading up with more vegetables and fruits throughout the day, I I wouldn't think, you know, not cutting out the foods you love. Like if you, you know, say you get French fries every single lunchtime. This was one of the first things I did when I, when I started learning kind of more habit-based dieting and stuff was I started bringing in my own like grilled chicken breast. I kept having the fries, but I also brought in, um, you know, a salad for the side. So I was eating a lot more than yeah. what I had originally been eating, but I was actually eating less because of it, because I was having less, I was having, um, you know, half a serving of the fries. I started splitting it with a coworker. Um, it's, it's so it's little things like that. It's that these little tiny theory. tweaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like for sure. Cause I mean, even for me, like one of my, one of my things is just like, honestly, I, it probably comes a little bit from the bro science era, but I've always been one to eat consistently throughout the day. 
And if that's, that's one thing, like, I'm, and you kind of talked about it before in the very beginning where, you know, when you're fasting, you go all day and then you end up overeating in the afternoon. And for some people, it is a full on binge. That's what you want to kind of avoid. So why not try to eat more consistent throughout the day? So if Carrie's suggesting, you know, 20 to 40 grams of protein, you want to be able to spread that out too, right? Especially if you're having, you know, you know, uh, if you need an abundance of protein throughout, uh, throughout your day. So, you know, like you're looking at three, four five meals for some people, and there is no right or wrong approach to that. There are one meal a day people out there that can manage it and be fine. They don't overeat. They're satiated. They're good. That's how they roll. There's lots of people that can do intermittent fasting with small, you know, poverty macros, and they can do a, a specific window of eating. But for most people, I don't think you fall into that category. I think that your general public that just need to have a little bit of a more flexible approach, a little bit less restrictions and rules, um, a little more consistency, consistency throughout the day with, with whatever it is that you choose to work on. Um, and just, you know, like the, I think the one thing that you said that's just like stands out for me is just really about, um, just knowing that you shouldn't avoid foods that you actually enjoy. Like you have to somehow yeah. lean into that discomfort a little bit and it may not happen right away, but I encourage anyone who out, who's out there who really does think that keto is the only way because carbs are bad. You have to, you can even just start with the least forbidden. There's a, you can make yourself a list, but you have your most forbidden and your least and take one of those least and just try having it every day. Absolutely. I'm yeah. I'm going to share with you this story. So this, I've been busy with basketball with my, with my daughter and just recently. So I don't know when this is going to air, but we were at a basketball tournament when we traveled for it. And normally I would be like, um, it's sorry, not normally in my past, I would have been like, Oh my fucking God, I would have been prepping me uh, food. I would have made sure that I had everything, you name it. Uh, and we would have had to stick to the places that I wanted to eat all that kind of stuff. It was interesting. We drive down there and um, my daughter had to play late. And so we, and it's not very often that I eat late because I like to be in bed, like I'll, like late. I'm talking like eight o'clock is my last meal, but it's usually just a small snack type of thing, my cookie dough. Mm-hmm. But here we are sitting at BP's and it's like 8.30. I'm starving because we had watched a game and we had then had to commute to this place. And we went to BP's and I'm like, I realized because the day had been so busy that I actually didn't really eat much. And I've have a temporary bridge in my mouth right now. So I can't really chew a lot, Yes, but I'm like, I'm having the pizza. My old self would have said no fucking way. I would have had to have the salad, even though it hurts like hell to chew. Cause actually, to be honest, the pizza is easier to chew than the freaking salad. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> Right. <laughs> but my old mindset would have been like, can't have it. And I would have been like not enjoying the time I would have been so food focused, but you know what? I ordered the individual. I ate the whole damn thing. I didn't give a shit you know, awesome. enjoyed it. And then the next day, same thing. We had to eat out again. I had McDonald's twice yesterday because that's <laughs> how our day landed, but I still took the protein bars and had all those mm-hmm. things. But when you are in a place where you're like now at the mercy of other people, and this is where clients get stuck. They don't think they can navigate outside of their, you know, like their keto plan or whatever that looks like low carb. And God forbid you have McDonald's because it's so processed and terrible for you. Um, you, you get stuck. And you're miserable. Whereas I'm just like, where are we going for breakfast? Why are we going there? Is there not a better place? Well, yeah, if we want to travel for another 15, 20 minutes, we're already late to the game. Right. So cool. I'll have it. I like you, Carrie, no macros. I know what I need to do right to navigate, but it wasn't perfect. And then it's eight 30 at night. We're on the highway. And my husband's like, I need a coffee. 
but I'm also getting a McDouble. I'm like, cool. So am I, cause I'm hungry. I could have yep. sat in that vehicle and not eat anything and told myself I can't have, can't have, I can't have, but then what to come home and what overeat whatever's in my pantry. Exactly. So the old me would have said all of that, but now it's just like, wow. And today it's like, it never even happened because I don't dwell on it. And yeah. I think that's, you know, if I had to, to leave anything with anyone today, it's like, that's what fad diets do to you though. They have you feeling guilty for the choice that you're making outside of their rules and their exactly. restrictions. There's right? just no room for error. It's just, you're either on the diet or you are off the diet. And if you're yeah. off the diet, you failed or you're bad or yeah. you're cheating or whatever it is. Well, Absolutely. and I'll tell you this right now. Uh, the one thing that I know about Carrie, she likes French fries. I do. I I think I mentioned that I'm hungry too right now. So I think I keep thinking about French fries. But the thing is, is that we've had this conversation and I would never tell Carrie, she can't have French fries. She's a nutrition coach Mm -hmm. and she knows, and I know that we can have fries, Mm -hmm. right? But we've both been down that road where we were once told you can't have them. And it's such a, it is so messed up. Like, are you now telling your, like, it's like telling my daughter, Brooke, she could never have French fries. Yeah. Which is not real. That's not no. real, but we can always offer, you know, here's yeah. Have the fries, but also I think that you should make sure you have your apple today because you need the fiber. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, it's just adding this stuff together. Like I said, I found it's on days when we are rushed. It's like having, you know, we have like some frozen French fries. Sometimes we have like the ones with the rosemary seasoning or whatever, and we have an yeah. air fryer and like I'll have a smaller serving of them and, you know, have it with my veggies and with my salmon or whatever I'm having for dinner. And it's perfect. And it makes me excited. And, you know, my son loves them. And sometimes we make our own with root vegetables, but I mean, it takes a lot of time, you know? So yeah, we got nothing wrong with doing that once a week or, you know, but the thing is that you just said that like, and this is for those moms out there. Um, we have to be able to navigate the sometimes messy side of our lives. Mm-hmm. And if we were being told we can't have certain things, like, how do you do that? You're just adding more stress. And exactly. it really is not teaching you how to navigate real life because real life isn't wrapped around keto or intermittent fasting. It is, should be, if you're going to do that to each their own, it should be momentary. It should absolutely be for a moment of time and just have an exit strategy for you, because that that's where the successful lies. If you do, you know, some sort of, you know, reverse recovery diet, uh, back into normal, well, quote unquote, normal eating, whatever that might look like. Normal may not be ideal though, because normal might've been overeating. Right. But you got to get yourself back to a a better approach. Right. And I don't know if those fat diets will teach anybody that I've not seen it successfully done. Um, I don't know how much evidence-based stuff there is out there. I I couldn't tell you a a study right now that says that, yeah, keto works with this reverse diet after I have not seen that, but at the end of the day, I think any approach will work if you have an, an exit strategy and if you've worked on your habits and behaviors exactly. your mindset. Yeah. 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 Like if you understood, I mean, I'm sure I could go keto if I really wanted to and probably be able to exit it safely. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't even want to try. I, I, I know, I, right? Like I wouldn't even want to try. I just, uh, there are some keto foods out there that look delicious. I mean, like, you know, there's some I've seen. I mean, if you're loading certain things with butter and like adding bacon, like, cool, that sounds great, but don't take my toast and my fruit. I'm like, it's like, how do you go to the bathroom? I don't understand. Like, where's my fiber? Well, and that's just it. Right. And that's, again, that's the stuff Carrie, right there. That's the stuff I'm talking about that people won't talk about. They won't Mm -hmm. share that, you know, like, Oh man, I've been fascinated for like four days. They won't talk about it. Yeah. 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 It's like, we need fiber, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And I know, like I said, like, again, I'm not here to say, you know, what you're doing is wrong, but I will say that if you feel, um, restricted and you feel like all you do is think about food or like the foods that you can't have, or if you want to have breakfast at 11, but it's, you don't eat till noon. Like, I mean, I think that you need to lean into those, those thoughts, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. Yeah. This has been fun. Thank you so much. Now, before we go, I would like to know where people can find you share, share all those platforms. We'll tag everything in the, in the show notes, but let everybody know where to find you. Sure. Um, TikTok and Instagram, you can find me, um, Carrie Lee fitness. Um, and I do have a podcast, um, that will be relaunching soon. There are episodes listed. The very first one is actually all about my story, which I touched on a little bit here, but it kind of gave more background. Um, and that's called the, not your basic fitspo podcast. Love it. Love it. This has been so much fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it has been. Thank you for having me. Well, and you know, I have to say, uh, I, I think, well, I don't share, I don't send you a lot of pictures, but I am envious of the Bermuda water Mm -hmm. and the beaches and the stuff you post. I think that it's just amazing. And it's awesome because you're actually, you know, it's not like you haven't been to Canada. You have, you have family here. Um, but it's pretty awesome that you live there. And I think that's kind of cool that, um, when I met you, I was like, Whoa, that's where you live. So <laughs> island yeah, life, I, I tell you, right? It is. It's, it's got its parks and then there's other bits that drive you nuts. You know, it's kind of like living in a fishbowl and, you know, it's very small, but, um, you know, our view is beautiful. So I wouldn't change that. Well, it's awesome. Well, thank you for, yeah. for joining me and we will see you guys on the next episode. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. And don't forget to tag me at Motivate and Be Fit and follow or subscribe on the podcast app of your choice. And please don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows the podcast to grow while helping more people figure their shit out. Chat to you next week.